0: Okay, Jacob, this is our first guest. You know, we have a new podcast and wanted to be able to bring on a guest. I'm going to give everybody the backstory. As you know, we do these quick and dirty podcasts, 10, 15 minutes long. But Jacob really caught my eye. Uh, He was talking about on LinkedIn the critical nature at which account-based sellers need to get back in the game. It is time to prospect. They really need to self-source. And so I thought I'd bring Jacob on the call. Want to be able to hear from Jacob, his experience, what he's seeing the shifts looking like, where he thinks account-based selling is all going. So Jacob, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Why don't you take a moment, give the listeners, maybe they're listening in the car, some context. Who are you? Where do you come from so that they get a sense and contextualize you're one of us? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Um, so I've been in enterprise sales
1: for the last 10 years, last five of which I've been in enterprise software sales. I'm currently a strategic um, AE at Rubric. And really what that means is I've had less than 30 accounts for the better part of 10 years. So everything that I do is really tailored, custom, based on research, having a POV, and just kind of like approaching my prospects with that POV to
0: bring them to the table for a conversation. Fantastic. And you can see my business partner, Amar, he's trying to join on his mobile device. Um, So Jacob, and as we were talking about, you know, informal conversation about account-based selling. You started writing posts on LinkedIn about it's kind of, you know, shit or get off the pot kind of speak. Like it is wow the world is changing there's no more let's just sit back and let the bdr's feed us full of leads it's time for us account-based sellers to really start self-sourcing and if we have to be full stack full cycle sellers let's do it so where did that kind of come from give us kind of some context maybe what's been happening in rubric or amongst your peers that made you feel compelled to tell us sellers, hey, it's time to change. Yeah, absolutely. So when
1: I think back the first five years of my sales career, again, I was sourcing 75 to 90% of my pipeline. I had one year in the middle when I first started in software sales where I, I, I had a BDR, I had all this other stuff, and I decided like, let's see what happens if I let someone else source my pipeline. Guess what? My attainment was really low. This is no blame on anybody else. This Are is all on me. you
0: and onion sandwiches for a year? My attainment was,
1: yes, my attainment was very low. And I actually ended up getting fired because I my attainment was so low. And what I came to realize through that experience was me thinking that other people could generate my pipeline and feed me didn't work at all. And so I had that one year in the middle of my sales career where I failed miserably because I kind of relied on everybody else. And so I took back the reins and over the last five years, it's been really back to that. I am going to source 75 to 90%, if not more of my own pipeline. Yes, I collaborate with SDRs. Yes, I collaborate with marketing and channel and they're super helpful, but I have taken the full onus of it because the one time I didn't, I failed. And I think what I found over the last 10 years, but even like the last five years, is owning your own destiny is super critical because if you don't, then you don't have control over what the actual outcomes are for your pipeline, for your revenue closure, et cetera.
2: Jacob, do you think that there is 100% alignment between sales and let's just call it marketing support um, in the quality of the leads or the quality of the demand that they're generating for you? Or are you constantly pushing back? Like, obviously, the last couple of years has been really rough, right? but where are we right now as of November, 2023? Are you finding that alignment there or is it still lackluster?
1: It's still lackluster, but Amar, I'd say it's improved. Um, I think that over the last like 18 months, two years where money's become tighter and the ROI has become more under the microscope for both sales and marketing, I think marketing is getting more sophisticated with the campaigns they're running, the kind of like one to few or one to one situations as opposed to one to many. And I actually think it's improved the pipeline, the MQLs the things that have come in, but I think there's still a disconnect and I feel like improving, but I'm not really sure if we ever get to a place where it's like, we're totally eye to eye, maybe the best orgs are already doing that.
0: You, uh, do you mind if we actually go back to, there was something I wanted to ask you, You were 75 to 90% self-sourced, great. Okay, so you had actually kind of quantified it, you'd waterfalled down to the type of actions and activities you needed to take. And you decided to take a year off, so to speak, and let's, let's the BDR provide you with that pipeline. Can you recall conversations with your sales leaders to say, hey, let's do some mathematical exercises To pontificate what we think the BDRs, the marketing team, the channel team is going to supply me as a tailwind and do you recall thinking that was going to be half of your pipe or they were going to take it all over and then how bad was the windfall? The reason I'm asking this question is like one of the exercises we do with customers right away is design one of these quota waterfalls and it's typically way off the mark. In the sense that where they thought subjectively, they think that the BDRs, the channel, the marketing team would supply X percentage of quota attainment to the sellers. And then what reality actually presents, it forces mid-season the AE to completely reshift gears and go, oh, my God, I thought I was going to get half my leads come from marketing. Turns out I got only a third. So now I am scrambling to make up the delta, but I wasn't putting myself in a position to be able to do so. So do you remember the math, how leadership decided to say, yeah, this was a great idea? And how did it all kind of come about?
1: Yeah, I think it's actually a really good call out. and It's an important distinction. So that year that I offloaded a lot of my pipeline generation, it was my first year in software sales. So I'm already going through a learning curve and understanding The difference between industries, sectors, I was selling hardware, I'm going to software and people say, there's going to be a learning curve. And I said, you know what? There isn't. I'm going to be fine. There was a huge learning curve. So that's one. Two, to your point, Jamie, our marketing and SDR team back then I think was tasked with like 50% of your pipeline generation, if not more. And because I was new to this industry in, in software sales, I thought maybe that's just the way it goes down here. Right. So I took my foot off the pedal. You've got leadership saying, like, listen, marketing, um, SDRs, et cetera, they're going to bring in the leads for you. You just work the leads. Cool. I've never had that before. Let's see how it goes. And then, Jamie, almost like exactly to your point, you know, I think six months go by, I'm halfway through the year, and it's like, oh, this is not good. Like one, my pipe gen has fallen. My conversions are not great because some of the leads that are coming in probably aren't the strongest ones. And all of a sudden I'm in this massive deficit where it's like, I've got to figure out how to make up all this pipeline that I missed and then convert it at a super high um, level and percentage. Otherwise I'm just going to completely miss my numbers, which I did. So I think it was this kind of like total, like, you know, in the movies when the, the music just stops and it's like, You're like, oh shit, this is not good. So pedal to the metal then, but it was already too late. And I think it was a very interesting learning to say, you know what, I've always gotta be doing my own pipeline. And then great, if SDRs and marketing and channel, whoever else is additive to that, that's a huge win, but I gotta own it myself.
0: And what would you say to a sales leader? Amar and I have encountered this a bunch of times this year in 2023, started working with a customer. And, you know, we try to naturally explain that we are a fit specifically for the account-based sellers. But because the word prospecting comes up, people will say, hey, great. I'm going to shift you down to the SDRs and BDRs because my AEs don't prospect. And we go, what, what do you mean they don't prospect? And we will get actual pushback. My AEs don't have time to do this. Yeah. yeah. They don't have time for this. This is above their paid grade. They're working the big dog accounts. So put your sales leader hat on. You were to meet a chief revenue officer at a series A, series B, series C company, you know, like not a fully formed organization yet. They're kind of on the way up growing. You're out for lunch with that chief revenue officer. What would you say to them when they retort with something like that? And they say, you know, you know what? I want to create the classic model, the predictive, predictable revenue model, where you've got the classic PDR, you've got the AE, we want to have bifurcation between the two. Um, what would you say to them? I'd probably have to gather myself for a second and
1: hope that my jaw didn't hit the floor. Right. I, I think the the thing I'd have to say to them is I feel like that's something that's not sustainable. Right. Like, let's say that that works in the now for them in the early stages or as they're building their organization. I don't think that that's a sustainable model whatsoever. I think that you always have to be thinking about how can sellers be self generating pipeline, working it, closing and then doing it with the additive pipeline as well. So I think it'd be important to go kind of through that. Another thing that I think about, and I used to actually sell to CROs and talk to them about this, the idea is not to just have 100% of pipe gen and then work it from there. Think about whatever revenue number you want to get to. You need to work that backwards, kind of flip it on its head and say, how do I get 150% of qualified pipe? Because you know stuff is going to fall out of the pipe as you go. Guess what? That's probably everyone on deck. That's probably the executives helping generate pipeline by you're writing ghost ghost notes for them. That's AEs like me doing it. That's CSMs doing it. That's SEs. That's SDRs. That's everyone generating as much pipe as they can. The qualified stuff will end up converting. The rest will fall to the bottom, but at least you backfilled yourself,
0: right? This is fantastic. Okay, so I want to now move towards the future. Um, I'd love to just play a little game theory. Where do you see this all going? 2023, we saw a lot of BDR and SCR teams get, get dismantled. I have some theories of where lead generation is going to scale in 2024 and beyond, but I want to hear it from you. You're looking into the future. Where do you see uh, the construct of a sales organization? Where do you see the future of lead generation coming from? Just want to hear your ideas.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because everything that I know is the AE owning a lot of it. I think we're going even further in that direction of full cycle AEs and people who own the understanding of their accounts, the messaging, the prospecting. I think the, you know, the recent stuff that came out just last week about email deliverability, like <laughs> spam filtering, things like yeah. that. We've with, assessed- with sales
2: loft and outreach and Gmail and all that.
1: Yeah. Exactly. What they're essentially saying is you can't just spray and pray in volume prospect because we're gonna penalize it you for it. So the people who are actually taking the time and articulating well researched, you know, hypothesis driven emails, there's no guarantee that those get to the person and they get read, but those are the ones that are gonna make it through the filter as opposed to this like explosion. So Jamie, I think to your question, I think we're actually going to people who are Full cycle AEs specialized in prospecting, converting, and closing. I don't know what happens to the BDR org or if it just ceases to exist in like two years. I don't know.
2: Yeah. It's a great point. Of, of course, all of us are seeing uh, AI coming into the mix. And what, what are your takes? Is it hype? Is it real? Like people love to just think about the end state of where things are going now. But do you see the reality of digitizing the entire SDR role? Um, and if so, how, what what does that say about the impact on the AE, Jacob? What are your thoughts?
1: It's something, it's funny you bring this up, something I've been thinking about a lot. I, I think that the AIification of a BDR role could probably happen in full. I think the smart orgs are going to leverage AI for the automation of basic things, research responses, kind of like the easy stuff, right? But the more advanced things I think are still going to need humans, at least I hope, because I want to have a job. Um, But, you know, using that stuff to scale across um, easier, kind of like less quality led touch points, I think could be done by AI. But like, look at our conversation here, like we're having a real articulate conversation based on each other's responses. I mean, maybe AI could do it, but Today, I'm questioning
0: that. Yeah. What's the biggest hindrance to your peers? Okay, so let's take AEs that have either really claimed themselves as full cycle AEs or they're not there mentally yet, but they know they need to prospect. What do you think have been the biggest barriers to getting them going uh, to create momentum? Where Where do they get stuck?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of big things there. I think one, being taught the correct way to do things. Again, that year that I failed, um, I kind of was figuring it out on my own. The next org that I went to had a really prescriptive process about how to generate pipeline and prospect. That's where I learned the foundations of what I have now. So I think there's a learning gap. I think the other thing is this, you're going to put a lot of work in on the front end. You're gonna spend a lot of time understanding your accounts, researching, creating your POVs, your hypothesis. You're gonna create great emails, you're gonna send them out and you're gonna get crickets. And you're gonna fall into that like trough of disillusionment where you're like, what did I do all this work for? Then people don't follow up. They get discouraged, they give up. And it's like, even with the best of the best, if you've done everything right, you're not gonna get it in one touch point. You're probably not even gonna get it in seven anymore. You've gotta find ways to deposit with your prospects, bring value without making an ask. So I think the big thing is like you spend all this time on the front end. Nothing happens. You go down here, you get down in the dumps. and You're like, what's the point of this? But really, you go down in the dumps. And if you keep going, eventually you end up coming back up here.
0: So love this. This is fantastic. Um, I love love
2: how, how this is ending with that note, because that's literally the advice we would have been given by sales leaders in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. It's persistence, like, Hold persistence. Hold on to the
0: reins.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think part of it is like you have to have the vision, right? And, and it's not like you're a visionary, but you have to know, especially in enterprise and above, this is going to take six months. It might take six months to have the first conversation. Yeah. And then it might take another six months to run through the cycle. So you just have to be able to see... All this work you're going to do on the front end isn't going to pay off for quite a while, which Jamie, maybe back to your question. That's another problem for people is they just want quick wins and above like mid-market. I'm not sure it really happens that much
0: anymore. Yeah. It's this is point. fantastic. Really appreciate this having you on. You are the inaugural first guest. So this awesome. is great. Um, and, you know, and you're a testament to showing that you're sharing ideas and best practices. I picked that up. So you were ha- just happened to be talking about sales best practices. But you could have also been talking about you know whatever uh, market insight, commercial insight, serves your ICP. And mm-hmm. a percentage of your market would have picked that up. And they would have said, you know what? I want to talk about this. So this is, uh, this is great. Fantastic. Appreciate your time. I uh, just want to kind of close for everybody. Uh, please like or subscribe this podcast trying to grow it. It requires you to like and subscribe it to get it to go viral to help our account-based sellers get more at-bats. So with that, thank you so much. Thanks, Take Jacob. That one, guys. Mm-hmm.